Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Frank and Fearless podcast. I am your host, Adam Harris. Uh, today, I am joined by, and uh, we've just been having a bit of a laugh and catch up uh, prior to pitting record, um, a chatterbox. Um, I, was just, I was just thinking, Sarah, on um, today, I was thinking... I can't actually remember the first time that you and I met, but I tell you what I do remember. I remember when I had my IT company in Nottingham, you and a couple of your friends used to come on uh, as my guest on hospitality many, many weeks. And I remember your son, Freddie, as probably yes. being about 10, 11. Uh-huh. Um, and now he's a successful entrepreneur in his own right. He is indeed. He is indeed, Adam. So thank, thank you so much for having me on. It was been a little bit of a. <laughs> we, we had actually. <laughs> maybe we should let your listeners know. <laughs> Go on then. So yes, I was. Um, I'm Sarah Sarah Naylor, and I've actually got my own podcast, Harnessing Happiness, with myself, Sarah J Naylor. And so I'd invited Adam on to my podcast. <laughs> so I'm busy, <laughs> busy organising it, and suddenly uh, his business manager messaged me. I think, oh no, we were inviting you on to Adam's. Show. Oh, is that still okay? Yes, I, I tend to go with the flow of life. I don't get too don't get too caught up in this. I don't sweat the small stuff, Adam. I just go with the flow. So we've we've not seen each other for two years, uh, and we're probably going to uh, connect twice in about a month, which is uh, which is great. Sarah, just give us a snapshot. Who are you? And what do you do? Who am I and what do I do? Right, I am a life and career transformation strategist and I work um, that through my coaching programme, working with people, taking and them and helping them transform their lives, both personally and professionally. I also have a recruitment business um, that I have been successfully running for many years. And so basically through all... All that I do in all of my life, I love supporting people to be the best person that they can be, helping them be their authentic, true self, aligning their career with their talents and passion so they can really live their life on purpose and fulfil their potential. Because I believe that once we are fully aligned with who we are meant to be, you know, the acorn is always the oak tree, but, you know, we get caught up along the way, don't we, and think, oh, we should be doing this and we should be doing that. But actually, once you're in true alignment with yourself, you live a happier, healthier life as a result. And that's where it comes nicely around to the Harnessing Happiness podcast is that it's about helping other people share their stories to help other the, all the listeners, you know, get those aha moments and those sort of thoughts of, oh, actually, I could do this or that, I could change this and I could do that. Because, you know, there's so much wisdom in the world and I just want to share it and spread happiness um, globally, which is what I'm doing. So what, one of the things that the listeners will uh, definitely have picked up so far is that you've got a huge amount of energy massive amounts of passion i just want to pick up on something you said there you, you said this aspect of um you know living on uh, one's true purpose and being authentic and and living you know uh, to your true value when did you realize for you what yours was and how did that kind of manifest do you know what? I think I have to go back many, many years. I mean, I started out life in cartography. I used to work for, for the British Geological Survey or the Institute of Geological Sciences, as they were back in the day. And it was just down the road from where I lived. And it was like a first proper job. But the, the pace was too slow. You know, I enjoyed the work, but I was looking at the clock and going, oh, my gosh, you know, this is just I, I can't work in this sort of environment. As you've just noted, I have got lots of energy and I've got lots of passion. And I'd met my um, now ex-husband at the time. We went down to London. Um, I got a job as a computer graphics demonstrator, which saw me sort of jetting off into sort of Europe and up and down the country on planes in club class. It was it was quite it was quite glamorous. Age twenty, 
but there's more energy attached to it. And anyway, we weren't there long, came back to the UK and ended up discovering recruitment. And it just felt right, Adam. So I really followed my gut, my instinct and my intuition because I recognised through being introduced to recruitment agencies to help me get some work when I'd moved back. Okay, I recognised, I thought, oh, I like the sound of this. This is this is what I want to do. And um, I happened to say to an agency one day, because I, I went in to get to pick up some temporary work, I could hear them uh, talking about a, uh, a job that they were recruiting for, for another recruitment agency. I said, oh, oh, put me forward. And they said, oh no, we filled all the interview slots. I said, well, look, you know, if anybody, if anybody drops out, put me in. Somebody dropped out, they put me in. I got the job. Um, three months later, I was made redundant, picked up the yellow pages as they were back then, because we're going back very many years uh, to 1987. And um, got myself, bagged myself a few more interviews at some other agencies, and that's how my career started. So I, you know, I sort of saw it, recognised it, took action, and made it happen because that is what I knew I wanted to do. Four years later, I was then headhunted and I ended up going to work for a national because I was working for an independent at the time and um, ended up working for them for the next company for about four years and I got again to that point of this doesn't feel right and there's only other one other agency I want to work for in the whole of Nottingham which is where we are in the UK and um, I walked into them and manifested another job so you know the stuff that I talk about because I've written a book um, how to, shining a light on you how to manifest your dream job and I've you know, I've recognised what I've done and how I've been able to manifest because, you know, the law of attraction for those of people who are aware, it's about where we set our intentions, what we think, what we send out to the universe is actually what we attract back. But the law of attraction needs some action. You know, it's no good sort of sitting there watching Coronation Street Neighbours or Home and Away or whatever it is that you want to watch and expecting it to happen. But it's about that recognition and knowing specifically what it is you want to do having that bigger picture if you like yeah. in mind um but letting go of the outcome as well because you know it, it may be that that isn't as part of your path but it's recognizing it's navigating it's really listening to that inner voice that intuition that gut instinct and as i say i i recognized what it was and where it was i wanted to work and came out with the job stayed with them for 13 years and again i got to a point and i thought oh gosh this isn't right for me anymore. I don't fit in here because it was the height of the recession in 2009 in the UK. Um, I thought, but where do I fit? And I suddenly realised that um, I'm sort of in the meantime, I've, I've, I'd got divorced after I sort of ended a 20 year relationship and I got divorced in 2005. So I was then sort of single mum. And um, yeah, I sort of thought, well, where do I fit? I don't, you know, I've not, I've not gone up the management route. I don't fit there. I don't fit with all the um, youngsters in sort of the national agencies. And I thought, well, really, where I fit is supporting a um, a smaller business, you know, get better, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, r rather randomly, <laughs> out of the blue, within two, within a week of each other, I was approached by people that I hadn't spoken to before about exactly that opportunity and working on a self-employed basis on behalf of their recruitment agencies. Um, you know, but self-employed and supporting them. And it was just like, oh, wow. And one of the recommendations came, I think, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was via Tracy, who we, yep. that's how we met, Tracy Nettleship. Yep. And because she introduced, she'd obviously spoken to this chap um, and mentioned me to him. And I say somebody else had approached me as well. And I went with the other person, not him, because it just sort of fitted 
what was right for me. And then ultimately that saw me then moving in and setting up my own recruitment business. But in the meantime, suddenly wanting to get out of recruitment as well and going again with my gut instinct and going, actually, I want to qualify. I want to become a coach. I want to get away from recruitment. <laughs> and because um, I'm very people orientated. I mean, I love working with people and I love helping them. You know, whoever crosses my path, I can't but help it. I won't tell anybody what to do because, that, you know, coaches don't tell people what to do. But, you know, if they want some help or they want some guidance, I mean, throughout my years in recruitment, I will always give people free advice. I just want to ask you, you know, to have that level of insight at such a, a tender age. Yeah. Um, you must have felt quite alone because I, I can imagine going through that period of your life, kind of into your early 20s, that not many anybody else was kind of thinking and feeling and trusting their gut and their intuition that, like you were. What, what, what was going on internally for you, but what were also the messages that you were hearing externally? Do you know what, Adam? I've just always, I've just always been who I am. I've always sort of just, you know, if I get my mind to something, I, I decide I'm going to do it. You know, and I've never sort of questioned that. Um, I grew up, my, you know, I was very, had, a, was very lucky. I had a very sort of supportive uh, family, and I guess my, on my father's side, his sister was very much into. Well, let's put it this way, as she passed away, she was reading quantum physics and things like that, but I always gravitated towards her bookcase and I always used to be very, very interested in anything that was sort of, of a spiritual nature of, I mean, back in the day I was reading books, um, you know, sort of about, uh, uh, not mystic, mystics, is it mediums, that's what I was going <laughs> get the word um and then I kind of sort of went a bit off that but she she read tarot she did astrology she did the runes um and so I was always that was always around me and it was always her bookcase I would gravitate towards and I've been a bookworm since forever I mean I could read quite prolifically even before I started school so I've always been somebody sort of absorbing mm -hmm. information and and then with meeting my ex my now ex-husband you know his family were very much or his sisters and brothers were very much again into astrology and the tarot and all of that nature so th that side of things it just was me mm. you know it was it wasn't anything I ever questioned it's just what I've always instinctively felt I've just sort of yeah just felt just felt it and I think people around me just know <laughs> if I get my mindset about something I just I just go for it because I don't I don't question it. I mean, there, there had been times with certain things, you know, because I'm a Libra and I used to like to get the balance. And it was only, I suppose, in the last sort of 16 years that I've really solidified that sort of instinct and got to understand that there, were, there are names and words and things like that for the stuff that I, I, would inst I was instinctively doing, mm -hmm. you know, sort of transmitting energy to people, what people call that Reiki or the other. I've just always felt it within. I've not necessarily needed to have it validated. Yeah by anybody else you know I don't I don't look for validation I mean I spent time sort of comparing myself to other people and then I've, I've undergone a lot of um, self and personal development through EFT sort of becoming a rate you know doing Reiki myself um, and qualifying to a level two standard of Reiki and ascension work and shamanic work I've done all sorts of things over the years to clear any blockages that might be in there and it's a you know in life it's an ongoing process and I sort of embrace it and I'm interested in it but fundamentally I've kind of guess I've always known my own mind and I've always done what I wanted to do okay. <laughs> regardless you know I think my mum wanted me to marry a, a man in a suit and I wasn't interested so I went I went for one with a bleached blonde hair and a ponytail and a battered old Bedford van who was playing drums in a band instead <laughs> 
Um, so I just want to. Uh, so you you, meant, you mentioned there about this aspect of, um, I suppose, this inner resolve, this tenacity, um, just always striving and pushing forward. On a bad day, what? Mm-hmm. What's the? You know, what's your inner voice saying to you, and how are you counterbalancing that? I suppose it's what you call a bad day. I mean, I've had challenging times, but I've known that I can always work through those challenging times. Um, a bad day to me is when I just get, uh, you know, I, I, because I have got so much energy and I have become, it's become an overdone strength and I end up absolutely knackered. I go, oh God, absolutely exhausted, can't do anything. And I just let it ride through me. I just let it flow through mm-hmm. and I just know that I have to give myself that sort of 24, 48 hours, it will pass yep. and I'll kick myself into touch. That's on an energetic level. But sort of challenging stuff, I always look for solutions. I always look for a different perspective. I've, I've actually trademarked my ape mindset, which is acceptance, perspective and energy. So accepting the sort of situation as it is, you know, if we look at COVID, it, it suddenly it impacts, it's like, well, yeah, we can't actually do anything about this everything dropped out of my business completely my plan a b c and d all flew out the window all at the same time yep. so it's like oh and then i had a bottle of wine that didn't work and i thought right <laughs> i need to do something about this so i shifted my perspective and then i ch- channeled my energy accordingly and started to do things differently and and that's what i'll always do i'll keep shifting and changing and accepting and going with the flow yep. um yeah so th- that's how i kind of deal with challenging situations I don't let them get me down because there's always going to be something there's going to be some learning there's going to be something to take away with from something because it's just clearly whatever it was I was planning wasn't meant to be I had to go on a different trajectory trajectory (laughs) so yeah so when, when you come across people whether from a recruitment perspective or in a coaching capacity that that aren't in the same place as you uh, mm-hmm. Give us some of the questions that you ask them or uh, some of the the things that you make them think that it allows them to come into a different space. Yeah, well, I'll look at them and I'll potentially say, you know, <sighs> look at this from a different perspective. I will, what I tend to like to do is share my wisdom and I use my experiences rather than telling somebody what to do I would rather share my story or explain or ask them to look at it from a different perspective or enlighten them further so for instance I'm working with somebody at the moment who when I first started working with him was very very sort of I got a very negative sort of been on antidepressants and all sorts of very negative perspective of things and sort of through the time that I'm working with him and sort of enlightening him and, and enabling him to see things from a different perspective you know and sort of challenging that but in a sort of a a coach-like led way and equally so with the recruitment side of things when people want to just be dismissive it's well what what's the worst that can happen how can you look at things differently what can you actually do look at the things that you can gain from potentially going down this route where are you right now how will this benefit you so it's all those lovely rich open questions and get enabling people to look at things from a different perspective so for instance adam you know how would you um if you were sort of saying well i don't really want to go for that interview well actually where are you right now well maybe i'm um i'm not working well what are you going to gain from going from this interview you're going to gain sort of interview experience you're going to gain 
uh, understanding of how this process has gone through. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a candidate go for an interview, oh, I was a little bit frustrated actually, I've had a candidate go for an interview that was cut short and the client said, well, he hasn't got any UK experience. Well, actually, client, did you not see that and notice that from his CV? <laughs> Hello? Um, however, you know, as I reflected back to him, you know, what has this opportunity presented? It's, well, how can you gain experience, you know, start to gain knowledge of experience that you can then demonstrate at your next interview so even if you can't actually get the physical work experience you could how can you actually go and look online and get the knowledge that will that will sort of support that um, moving forward to show that you are actually already doing something actively towards that for example so it's about asking people just to, to think and dig deeper and have a look at things and ref, reframe reframing is one of my <laughs> my best ones and actually this uh, this coaching client I've just referred to I'm seeing him um, today and we're going to be talking sort of money mindset stuff and yeah. looking at things from a different perspective because that is something that I think a lot of people have challenges with and actually I didn't think I'd got any ch money issues but I've been doing some work myself uh, I won't go into all the details right now but it, it it was really interesting when I started to reflect back on the money stories mm -hmm. that I've been told over the years from childhood and upwards and the experiences that I've had in life with people surrounding money and whether they're not my beliefs they get into your subconscious and somehow or other they're perhaps impacting or holding you back or me back or what have you so I'm just doing some work on that I'm going to be looking at that and working with him on that today because he's got very very big big money issues in so much that I think money is such a sort of capitalist dirty word to him he doesn't want to be associated with it but money is just an energy it's an exchange it's a value we value ourselves we have to have money to survive to be able to do other things and actually if we are able to earn more money we don't need to spend it on rich lavish things ourselves we, we can be more philanthropic i have to say that slowly because i can't say it quickly <laughs> it's a bit like down in the middle i can't say that <laughs> so uh your aspect around being not looking at things as a problem and then looking at things as an opportunity. And I mm -hmm. I empathise massively because um, uh, I predominantly uh, have the same level of thinking and I talk about um, changing and moving the kaleidoscope to get a different view and angle. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Has it got you into any trouble at any point? Or has that just then be create another opportunity to then you just got to kind of work through? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I let things, I let things slide off me if you like I don't it's 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 other people's stuff so it's not mine yep. I can only be the I'm the I'm the signpost the guide I'm the person along the way you know I I've, I've been acutely aware from a you know starting out in recruitment the part I play in people's lives and that's obviously followed through in coaching as well as I qualified back in 2012 with a level five qualification of performance coaching didn't realize until after I'd done it this will give you my set that it was actually equivalent of two years of a full-time degree course <laughs> I've done it whilst I was working in a year so <laughs> um, I'm not surprised yeah you <laughs> well the thing is when you're doing something you're passionate about Adam and you're really yeah. enjoying it you crack on with it and it's like oh my gosh this is amazing and I've done loads of other stuff since you know I've been on stage with Richard Bandler and Paul McKenna that was interesting as well <laughs> having Richard Bandler hypnotize me <laughs> So let, let's let's move on to um, let's talk about recruitment because we're we're in a really interesting stage at the moment with the, oh, this aspect of mm. the great resignation. I was on a call with uh, some other coaches, um, people that run mastermind groups, 
uh, and it's a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love to get your view and opinion on, on on what's going on. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, I feel very much, and it's interesting. And I just to sort of backtrack before I answer that question, is that I've carried on all these years in recruitment, and I've tried to sort of shake it off, but it seems to clasp at my ankle and go, "I'm coming with you on this journey." And, so, and I've had to sort of sit back and go, "Okay, it's fine." I, you know, I love you some days, and other days I don't. But it has kept me very much at the at the coal face I like to refer to it as of what's going on mm-hmm. you know in the world you know and certainly as I say from a re- you know employment recruitment perspective and it's been to be perfectly frank Adam the last two years have been unbelievable I mean obviously it all kicked off March 2019 was it 29 2020 I can't even remember where March we are 2020 2020 I don't know I've lost a year who knew <laughs> and um as I say the plug was pulled I'd got um Permanent staff out and interviewed, you'd start jobs, I've got temps out, I've got loads of jobs on, everything just stopped. It was like, holy macaroni, it just like, it. that was it. Um, and obviously, as we all know, the world changed. And then in pockets, little bits of recruitment started to pick back up again. But, you know, it wasn't sort of full on, it was just literal, literally little bits of pockets of stuff. And then it wasn't until sort of probably March this year that suddenly when we sort of lockdown lifted here in the UK, that businesses suddenly got really, really busy and wanted staff. But suddenly there were no staff because you've got people on furlough. Yeah. You've got people who don't want to move jobs because they're fearful and they want to ride it out. But by not moving jobs, they're creating the issue. Uh, you've got, as you said, the mass resignation and so many people becoming, there's, a, there's been a gold rush of entrepreneurs and I think particularly you know, a lot of female entrepreneurs as well who, because women have been off obviously with the children, you've had people that have been in the hospitality sectors not wanting to work the shifts anymore. You've then, and it, it's just created, it's been carnage to be perfectly honest. Trying to find even just a good administrator has been really, really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, to put it into context, let's go back sort of perhaps two and a half, two and a half, three years ago. Well, I don't even need to go back that far, but prior to COVID, you'd put an advert out for like an administrator, for example, and you go, oh, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I really know I shouldn't have done that because you would, you'd, you'd get across the job boards, probably about two or three hundred ad responses and you go, I knew it was a bad idea. Everybody thinks they're an administrator. <laughs> and then now nothing. Yeah. Honest to God, nothing. The ad response is dire. It really is. I mean, I'm st- I am still filling jobs, thankfully. Um, I know what I'm looking for. I don't spend too much time on it because we've got adverts running. We have watchdogs set up. And, you know, I can focus on all these other areas of my business because, you know, I've got like 34 years recruitment experience. So I know what I'm looking for. I know what my clients want. I've got a good handful of clients that I work for on a regular basis. And if I find the right candidates, I can bang them forward. I'm not wasting my time mm-hmm. plastering the walls with CVs they're not interested in. But it's getting the candidates. So what is happening out there is that, you know, people have had, um, I think, time to reflect, to rethink about what they actually want to do, where they want to go. Uh, I had a candidate, for example, back in the summer, who he was actually um, offered a service delivery manager's job and he'd been looking to leave where he was because he wasn't sort of happy. His health issues weren't great. Anyway, by the time he'd sort of sorted out his health issues, then he sort of reflected. And I think because of all the things that have been going on as well, he thought, actually, I might as well just sit it out where I am because I'm heading towards retirement. So I'll rather, I'd rather just stay where I am because I know what I'm doing rather than take that challenge of moving on. And I think you've got that coming into play mm-hmm. as well. People don't want to take that risk. 
people are risk averse they've had their fear really really massaged and fed into constantly for the last two years well we're getting on for two years aren't we let's I call it two years it will, will be in, in March so 18 months a good 18 months of being told that they can't do this they can't do that they should be absolutely fearful they should run for their lives because they're going to die you know and it's just like it's no no <laughs> absolutely not yeah. you know and, and the, the, the thing with this is that I think I People are going to wither and die because they're not going anywhere and doing anything anyway. I mean, what's going to be the... I think it's the mental health issues that are going to be the biggest, biggest issue. And, and of course, in coming back to work, um, that is a big issue as well. You know, a lot of the people that I speak to, you know, from a, an HR perspective are experiencing challenges with staffing, whether they want to come back to work or not, or whether they want to come back on a hybrid model, mm-hmm. or they don't want to come back at all, or some people do want to come back completely. You know, it's, it's just all over the place. And I think companies are now finding... You know, obviously, that that the, they're having to listen to the um, employees more, and there's been a big shift in salaries as well. Yep. Uh, in fact, I was given some figures by one of my um, HR. It was, it was literally was it yesterday, two days ago, uh, an HR hub or something like that that she's involved in, and there's there seventy three percent were reporting recruitment challenges, sixty one percent struggling to retain staff. Yep. And thirty six percent of people are quitting these days with no job to go to. Yeah, I read a I read a report uh, yesterday which was saying forty percent of your workforce are, are looking to leave. Let, so let's let's pick up on this then. So for those people that are listening that are employers, what's the one or two things that they need to do to beat the competition with regards to recruitment, and what's the one or two things that you believe they should be doing to re- retain what they want to keep. I think they need to start to listen more to their employees. I think they start, need to start to value their staff. Employee engagement is where they've got to get to. They need to connect with um, specialists in that area. If they haven't already got a good sort of HR wellbeing um, policies in place, they've really got to start to think about that and start to, you know, give their give their employees a voice. Not to the point where the, the, the tail's wagging the dog. I'm not talking about that, but it's letting employees know they've been heard, letting them know that you know, they are valued and and really sort of starting to put things into place that will make a difference to them. And it's not always about the money, Adam, you know, employees just want to feel valued. And if they're not felt listened to, it's it that's when you start to get the problems. If they've not got if they're not taking the right measures, if you've got a maybe member of staff, you know, who's a manager perhaps who isn't a very good manager. Maybe it's that manager needs to go on to some training courses. It's about investing in your staff, valuing them and, and making those shift changes, but listening to the people at the bottom that are reporting that somebody's not, you know, treating them very well, not just sort of ignoring it. It's, it's ha- you know, letting people have a voice, doing things and putting things into place. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to sort of wield a, you know, this is what you should be, shouldn't be doing, but it, you've got to stop. You've got to listen. If you want the retention, if you want to have a workforce mm-hmm. that is you know, going to stay with you, value them and engage with people that are going to help you put those measures into place if you haven't got those in place already, because it's paramount if you're going to want to keep your business ticking over in, in, in the mad world that we're in at the moment, because people will up and leave. You know, and giving them another, bunging them an extra five grand or something like that, um, is it, it might, it's putting sticking plaster on a broken leg. Mm. It's not going to resolve anything in the long term, because you need to, you need to look and dig deeper 
than that. You need to address the issues that are there. And, you know, I've heard it so many times over the years in recruitment, and, you know, that's where you get companies that have got regular turnover of staff. Yeah. They just keep It's um, It's things. interesting because literally just before this call, I was catching up with uh, a friend um, from Engagement Multiplier. <laughs> it's funny that's exactly the organisation I was thinking about because yeah. I've got I've been sort of semi-involved in Engagement Multiplier because I've got um, John Jennings who was my ex um, associate director and um, Chris Cooper who does the Business Elevation Show in um, it's on uh, Radio America. Yeah. Um, they're very heavily involved in, in engagement multiplier. And I've met um, different people. I've you know had it demonstrated, and it is a fantastic. Yeah. It is a fantastic um, model. It really yeah, is. Yeah. So uh, Steve will be uh, a guest on a on a future show. In fact, we've just planned a web. Oh, Steve. Steve. Middleton. Is that Steve Middleton? Yes, yes I've met Steve. Yeah, yeah. He's fabulous. Very dapper dresser. Very. Very dapper very, dresser. Very good looking man to... as well. Um. So okay. Let's so let's flip it slightly then, and let's talk about the employee. So if I'm an employee and I want to differentiate myself either within the existing firm that I'm working within because I want to, mm-hmm. I'm not happy and I want things to change or I've made mm-hmm. the decision and I want to go and work for somebody else, what, what can I do to stand out from the crowd? In terms of where you are or wanting to move on? Well, both. So, or you know, because... Or both. Yeah, because, I, you know, I, I agree with you about this aspect of, you know... Um, uh, and I, this is something that I've observed over the years is that um, mm. baby boomers, and I'm generalising here, but I, th- I think we have to, to a certain extent, you know, the old traditional workforce were grateful that they had a job. They'd stay in a position mm. for a number of years. Um, their their willingness or desire to uh, challenge the status quo, or they were very much into hierarchy. The observation I've had over the last five to ten years is that the the workforce has been very much around around um, purpose, around culture, around work life um, balance, around flexibility. Uh, you know, and there was a there was a move, and I, I did quite a bit of work uh, with distributed organisations, or you know, that were already down that route from a remote perspective, um, and it was it, it was getting to the stage where. Um, you know, the employee had the uh, was holding the power, whereas before it mm-hmm. was the um, uh, employee employer. Um, and I, you know, I've seen the, this fact of kind of you know people going to interviews and go, look, this is what I want, and if you can't offer me what I want, I'm going to mm-hmm. go somewhere else. So, and I think there's an aspect there of um, the value and the appreciation of not only what they as an, as an employee can give, but also what they want in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting you should say that because I think you know the cultures and the organisations that you've worked with have been very different to a lot of the companies and cultures <laughs> that the organisations that I work with. I mean, I've got some great companies that I've worked for, you know, global organisations that are very much aligned with what you've just said. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've heard those stories of people. You know, there are people that know that's what I want. This is what I'm going to get. But actually, always it's not always the case that they are actually any good at their jobs I mean interestingly I've had uh, conversations funnily enough with the same HR lady who where she used to work before as an HR director um, sort of referencing you know the, some of the sort of senior sort of directors on the finance side coming in and giving it all the sort of the big I can do this and actually then pulling ending up sort of destroying the business because actually they don't really know what they're talking about at all which is a bit worrying um, but it, I think from an employee perspective you know it, it's going back to that first question that you asked I think it's about having you you know putting pushing yourself above and beyond you know 
going that extra mile, showing willing, but not doing it so much that it becomes an overdone strength because that's something else that I have witnessed in you know in so many people that you know that, that that's when they start to feel disgruntled because companies will take advantage because they are prepared and they do they do you know keep on loading on the work because that person's really good at what they're doing and they don't want to lose them so then they don't promote them because they don't they want to keep them in that job because that person's doing i don't know half a dozen jobs in that one sort of area as an office manager perhaps when actually they ought to have sort of split the role out um and that's when people then move on because they, they're not being valued, mm-hmm. they're not being listened to, they're not being heard. So is, is part of this actually about having frank and fearless conversations about, you know, not being afraid mm-hmm. to, from either side, is to actually recalibrate, recalibrate and set the expectations. You know, a phrase that I often use is clarity creates mm-hmm. confidence. Um, mm, absolutely. And, and I, just, I just wonder, you know, um, you know it's, and I think it's definitely a British thing, we don't like confrontation and it's like well it doesn't mm. necessarily have to be confrontation it can be no. a positive conversation where we're just Absolutely. re-establishing and having being a little bit more frank being a little bit more fearless having some honest conversations uh to get to a resolution that's going to work for both parties yeah and i think as you're saying it's having that clarity you know because if you know what it is in this is something that I will often say to people before they start this recruitment. If, if I'm having a conversation with somebody right at the start of a uh, sort of an, a recruitment drive, perhaps, and somebody's applied for the role, and I'm asking them why it is they're looking to leave, and they explain, I said, like, "Well, have you actually spoken to anybody at the organisation? Because you know it's going to take you an awful lot of time to go out having into applying for jobs, having interviews. It's a big thing, and people don't actually invest enough time. That's something else I'm really passionate about enabling." People to stop and think about what it is they actually do want to do, yeah. what it is they're passionate about, where their talents and passions lie, and really understanding themselves before they sort of go off on all these different jobs because they're they're not they're not fitting them. They'll probably spend more time specking out a house or a car than they will thinking about themselves and what makes them tick and what's the right organisation in the right location for them. That's a, I massively agree with you in the fact that people mm-hmm. and organisations don't invest in the right areas. Why is that? Why do why is it that organisations and individuals uh, don't invest. And it's not necessarily about money. Sometimes it's just about time. It's about reading or even watching or listening to things that are going to help them progress, become better. You know, you said right at the beginning mm. of this that you just naturally went into it and started picking up books. Why do mm. organisations and individuals not invest the time and the money and the effort to better themselves? Because it's learned behaviour growing up right. and it's not they've not had that... Um, encouragement they've not been aware they've not been um encouraged they've not been supported it's something that they they are the perhaps the owners of the organizations are working on how they were treated and grow how they had their you know backgrounds i don't know would it have been in the sort of the i mean what am i now 56 i mean i was you know i think i was very lucky in how i had my upbringing but sort of going back from there you've you've got generational things and it's it takes a long time and it takes people to sort of step out of that generational sort of understanding those learned behaviors of how and you're reflecting elements of how your parents were with you and it, it takes a long time for this sort of change to come about and i think if where the organizations that do step ahead that are ones that are more innovative and do do that are the ones that are going to sort of move forward They're the ones that are looking at um, sustainability for example now it, you know you've still got the old paradigm of 
organizations wanting and looking at greed and avarice and things like that and that's not going to work because you know another organization i know of you know the directors and all the top chart yeah they're, they're earning all this money but they don't want to invest at the bottom level they don't want to put the money into they want they want it for the back pockets well you're going to have to stop looking at your back pockets predominantly in the shareholders you've got to spread this cost more evenly you've got to value the staff at the bottom because if you haven't got the staff at the bottom your business isn't going to exist anyway so be more encouraging you know put more out there if it's not the money you know offer other things out to people start to make them curious but you, you people only change if they want to change yeah. and they've got to be ready for change at the end of the day but the more you can start to bring that in and integrate it and have that sort of open platform and, and create that time I think you know it's you know I, I'm talking myself as well you know I'm now starting to think about next year and 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 really sort of being more strategic mm -hmm. in how I spend my time and, you know, and you've got to have time for you and if there's time for people to sort of breathe and speak and sort of express themselves you know it's not about going in there going rah, 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 but be heard be listened and and start to communicate as well you know and have those conversations and think about what what could be done I mean obviously you can't please everybody all the time we know that but as long as there's some sort of willingness, there's encouragement, there's opportunities. You know, I, I'll go back to when I was in my in my first recruitment job that I, um, you know, I'd sort of talked myself into. <laughs> I ended up spending doing a year doing telesales. You manifested or, uh, it. Vacancy, or vacancy control, as they, yeah. Pam Pinder, you remember, I don't yeah, really yeah. remember Pam Pinder, but yeah, yeah. And um, vacancy control, as they called it then, that's a posh title for you. You're going to call every company's advertising in the Nottingham Evening Post every day, every week, every year. Um, but there was, she was investing in other people's, um, you know, studies at the time. So that, I mean, I, I was lucky, you know, and I, I went back to school, school, I went back to college and I did an A-level in English literature. Now I'd never done, English literature at school before yeah. and so I did a, an A-level in a year um, and it was a challenge but she the, the company business paid for it and to take advantage of that was absolutely amazing ironically I never went down the REC route of studying stuff because I don't know why that didn't appeal it's, it's, yeah <laughs> but you, you you kind of reminded me of a couple of things you know the the age-old saying um, if we invest and train our staff they'll leave and if we don't invest and train our staff <laughs> they'll leave um you know and i think uh you know now more than ever is that uh there's a there's a greater desire for this consistent learning um mm -hmm. the other thing is there and it's kind of around the, this aspect of kind of purpose and and values is that i'm a massive uh, advocate for b corporations uh one of my first mm -hmm. guests on podcast um tim jones uh that's what he spends his day doing is working with companies you know and the aspect of b corporations is it's not just about shareholder profit return actually mm -hmm. it's about people it's about profit it's about purpose and it's about is about the planet you know in line with kind of yes. the uh, un sustainability goals um mm -hmm. and you know i think we've lost capitalism we've, we've kind of lost a little bit over the over the years and you know there's an aspect of greed but if you think and you go back you know centuries thousands of years is that in theory it's all about being about community and it's about coming together mm -hmm. and the sharing and yep. the exchange of goods and services um mm -hmm. oh, i'm going off on one anyway right so we're coming we're... <laughs> i know but i'm with you adam yeah. i'm with you because i was listening to um the radio two yesterday uh, i don't know i just caught a little oh you're getting old if you're listening talking... to radio two <laughs> Blame my dad when I grew up with Radio Two was always on. And then I sort of I I did go over to Radio One and I do quite like Chris Evans on Virgin and I'm actually 
Oh, I've got Radio 4 programmed in the car now as well. <laughs> I'm getting old. Yes, I'm getting old. Um, so let's um, let's go. Um, uh, last couple of questions. Um, uh, you, you've written your book. Just remind us what the book title is. The book is called Shining a Light on You, How to Manifest Your Dream Job. And it takes the reader on a journey from start to finish about how to really tap into those talents and passions, understand what they are, um, create that bigger picture. It sort of talks about the law of attraction, manifestation, mindfulness. It really it goes into the practicalities and stuff and it's got exercises within it so you can actually make notes. And then I turned that into a digital online course last year, which is available via my website. So Cool. So we'll make we'll make sure that all of your details are in. The last question then. Uh, if I just happen to have stumbled across the ideal role for you at this moment in time, what would that be and look like? Oh, I think Chris Evans can uh, vacate his job on uh, <laughs> presenting uh, Virgin and I will take over the breakfast show. Thank you very much. <laughs> wow, there we go. And um, I, I know that you have spent time on the radio. Uh, and I know, yeah. you know, we were speaking before, it's something that you uh, are going to get more into. One of the things I've always wanted to do is I've always wanted to be a voiceover artist. Um, oh, so okay. if on your yes. travels and journeys you get to the stage of, you know, um, you needing some. And uh, I, I do quite a few good impressions as well. Um, awesome. So what makes you want to be a voiceover artist? Then? Um, do you know what? I was in a band many years ago when I was in Nottingham. Um, oh, my ooh. band was called My Pants. Uh, I was the I was the front man, not the singer, because I was pretty rubbish at singing. Uh, so you know, and, and both of us know each other from the Professional Speakers Association. I'm, yes, yeah. You know, I'm a little bit like I think there's definitely similarities in this aspect of manifesting things, and I've just uh -huh. always, um, I've just always loved speaking and communicating. Uh, when I do my videos, yeah. I do them in one take. Uh, when I do yeah, the podcasts, yeah. it's a conversation. <laughs> yes. It's very natural. Yeah. Um, and it's just something that's it's always been on my uh, list of things to do. So uh, I am now manifesting it live on my podcast yes. and somebody listening exactly. will go, I like your voice. Uh, maybe we can uh, <laughs> hire you for uh, exactly. So, yeah. exactly. Do you know what though, Adam? That's absolutely it. And, that, and it is, and this is something I encourage people to do. It's speaking it, it's putting it out there, it's writing it down. Yep. It's putting it out and having those conversations creating those opportunities because if you just keep it in your head it's not, not actually going to go anywhere um, and that's when it starts to manifest when you start to sort of spread that word and that's how things happen and suddenly it will come at you from a completely different angle and you go well how on earth did that how on earth did that happen and I want to give you a word that I discuss I was I was given earlier on this year when I was talking about you that you know how we both record and we talk and we speak extemporaneous oh You'll have to email me that because my, dyslex my dyslexia is just <laughs> kicking in now, and my brain's going off on one. Um, definitely, please. Extemporaneously speaking. <laughs> uh, so I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna finish on um, uh, a quote that I often use: "Our thoughts are only our thoughts unless they're verbalised or written down." And I think for me, that probably sums up both of us in the fact that we've just got verbal diarrhoea, um, <laughs> and we just can't help ourselves. And on that bombshell, as Alan Partridge would say, <laughs> um, Sarah, it's been an absolute joy. Uh, I can't wait to be a guest on uh, your podcast where you're asking me the questions and I'm the one that's going to talk for the majority of it. Yes, um, it'll be great. <laughs> uh, uh, which will be very, very soon. Um, 
This is the Frank and Fearless Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Adam Harris. The only thing I ask for you is if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, actually two things. One, go and check out Sarah's podcast and make sure you check out the episode where she interviews me. Also, please, uh, I ask you to just recommend this through to one person uh, because if you share it with one other person, then uh, they'll take value and uh, you'll make me a very happy looking at the stats as the numbers slowly increase and move forward. Uh, Bye for now. I will see you next time. Thank you.